you're listening to Contesting Wrestling Minisode coming at you November 15th, 2019. I would just like to start off today uh, by acknowledging the independent pro wrestler Matt Travis, who um, this last Saturday was tragically killed by a hit and run. He was an incredibly talented wrestler, um, most prominently for the House of Glory wrestling promotion. I got to see him wrestle a few times, and he was awesome. I got to meet him in person a couple of times, and he was a really nice guy, which was surprising to me because he was a great heel. And so he it just speaks to his talent that he was able to make me really dislike him when I saw his matches, even though he was very friendly in person. Um yeah, it's it's really sad loss for the entire wrestling community, and um, it just it really sucks. Uh, this coming Saturday, November sixteenth, uh, House of Glory will be doing their show, um, No Limit, in tribute to Matt Travis. Kurt Angle will be there at the Amazora Ballroom, aka the NYC Arena, which is where Doc and I went to our first indie shows back in two thousand four. So. Um, Remember Matt Travis, and if you can, come out and show your support this Saturday. Yeah, heavy stuff. Uh, I never uh, never met Matt Travis, but I've never seen such a huge outpouring of support for somebody who was like that low profile on the indies. It seemed that uh, he, was, he was very well beloved across the community. It reminds me a lot of when Eddie Guerrero died, and everyone came out saying basically like, he was everyone's best friend even if they weren't necessarily his best friend. He was just that giving and support, giving to and supportive of everyone around him that, you know, he touched everybody he came in contact with. Devastating loss for everyone in the wrestling community. In the name of being tasteful so we don't pivot from this tragedy into something um, that is more lighthearted in the usual style of this podcast, we are going to have a moment of silence for Matt Travis. All right. It's still not any better. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, we are reflecting on the Vince episode that aired earlier this week. Yeah, regular episode seven. It actually, we mentioned during the episode that we recorded it on Labor Day, and then it ended up airing on Veterans Day. So oh, that's all right. Weird. So, yeah, we're co- I guess we didn't really talk about We recorded well in advance. Yeah. Mostly because we're expecting some sort of emergency to come up at some point where we'll have to miss a, a few recordings or something. And we want to make sure you guys always get at least, you know, your two episodes a week. Uh, so Doc pointed out uh, during that episode that, you know, Vince came from actually rather humble beginnings. Yeah, Vince uh, Vince wasn't growing up uh, grew, being groomed to be a billionaire um, or even to be groomed to be in the wrestling business. He had to, he had to punch his way in, get his dad to notice him because uh, he grew up with his mother in North Carolina uh, without much money. According to him, and this may be disingenuous, but I don't know, part of me believes it, he's uncomfortable around very wealthy people for the most part. If he goes to a party, a really fancy party with a lot of rich people, he doesn't really know how to talk to everyone he you know i think feels more comfortable around wrestlers yeah well that's i mean a i would imagine if you grow up in the wrestling world um or even if you didn't grow up in it if you are used to to the wrestling world no other world is really like that 
So, you know, oh. even, maybe, maybe politics is sort of close, but also very far away. And so I'm sure that's uncomfortable. And then, yeah, I guess Vince is sort of new rich, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the, like, like rich, like especially rich. to the level of rich that he's gotten. Well, that's the thing. Most people who are at that level of rich are it's like generational wealth where they're basically a different fucking species that like has a different their brains work differently yeah. <laughs> and like and their interactions are different. So Vince Vince is a comparatively normal person compared to them, which is yeah. the most disturbing concept I can think of at the moment. Um <laughs> Well, they say in order to communicate properly with Vince, you have to come at him like he's a regular person. You yeah, know? he he wants you to like give him a firm handshake and assert yourself and converse, not you know contradict and just and call him Vince. Is he actually a billionaire? Yes, now he is. Um, it's it all depends. It depends on how the WWE stock is doing. For the last, he became a billionaire, then he stopped being a billionaire, and then when the stock exploded a couple of years ago, he became a billionaire again. Um, I believe his current net worth is about $2 billion uh, because the stock did explode a couple of years ago and uh, raised his net worth significantly. So I saw a story recently, David Penzer, the old uh, one of the ring announcers oh, yeah. from WCW, saying that uh, the story that WWE tells about the WCW takeover is partially inaccurate. I mean, it's probably inaccurate in a whole bunch of ways. Yeah. But one way in which in, it's inaccurate is they claim that nobody in WCW or very few people knew about the takeover until it aired live on TV. Yeah. And Penzer shared a screenshot of them announcing it on the WCW website like a week before. Yeah. That's a nice little bit of kayfabe there. I mean, that that's definitely a story that's told differently by different people. It is true that they announced it before. The, the WCW guys didn't learn as it was broadcast on Raw. That's I mean, if the WWE is saying that now... I mean, they're they're wrong, um, but it wasn't common knowledge until very soon before the show. And nobody really knew what that Nitro was going to be like until it happened. The last Nitro is an interesting kind of encapsulation uh, in and of itself. I mean, it, it it's a good show and it makes you think, oh, man, it's sad that WCW. But no, if you watch the previous two years of Nitro, that show is the worst show that's been on in my lifetime in wrestling. And I'm glad it was finally over. Uh, a couple of notes on Shane McMahon. Uh, he was recently banished from the WWE after losing a ladder match to Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. What's up with what's up with Shane O'Mac? I I don't know. I he was really getting over as a monster heel, um, and I thought that it was going to lead to him maybe getting the title and like a big blow off uh, at WrestleMania eventually. But maybe that'll still happen down the line. I, I, I don't. Know. I don't want them to give the title to Shane. I think that that would be too much. So I, I would have liked him more than fucking Lesnar beating Kofi in five seconds. But uh, yeah, whatever. maybe. So he's just banished in terms of like the story, right? Uh, right. That's yes, okay. Yes, just yes. that's yeah. I mean, um, you never know. Maybe he, you know, exposed some family secrets or something, and they finally kicked him out. He's like Triple H is my real son anyway. <laughs> so another thing, Doc. Um, we weren't sure exactly what Shane was doing when he wasn't with the company. You're right. He ran some kind of Chinese media company or was yeah. part. But and I thought he had a used car dealership. I was. Almost kind of right. Uh, what, what did he own? He is part owner of the Indian Larry motorcycle shop. Indian Larry being a famous motorcycle driver and stuntman. Indian Larry. Indian Larry. Is he Indian? I think so. I hope he's Indian. Um, yeah. Anyway. 
I'm sure Shane McMahon made raps about that. <laughs> um, I wonder what his I wonder what his fake SoundCloud name is. So we mentioned that Sable that they brought back the women's title in the late '90s for Sable. Yeah, uh, it was in 1998. Jacqueline Hall of Famer Jacqueline yeah. um, was actually the first champion when they brought it back. She she beat Sable. For it, and then Sable beat her. So I think they really did bring it in for Sable. Yeah, but yeah they, they definitely brought it in for Sable. Sable was the big star at the time, and Shane was the referee for the match where Sable wins it, <laughs> which I imagine was some McMahon tomfoolery. I, I don't know. I can't I don't remember, remember yeah. off the top of my head. It, I wasn't watching at the time. Um, you guys have some other things before I, I have I have one I have one more like long thing to say. Yeah. So if Evan, you want to get some other stuff in, Evan, did you did you check out Power yet? Uh, um, I uh, no, I, Evan, I haven't. Yeah, you gotta you gotta start watching like something regular and Power, dude. Power's optimal. It's it's short. It's to the point is a packed hour. We're going to like, I'm going to bother you all week until you watch power. So you can watch at least the first one. Luckily by next week. Luckily. Yeah. By, by sheer luck and good fortune. I like, luck I'm and now good fortune. on disability leave from my job for six months because of an injury I sustained a number of years ago that yeah. refuses to heal properly. So I have a lot of free time. Um, oh man, that, that, I mean, great. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, we yeah. have a friend, Jason, who I think he was injured or incapacitated in some way one summer, and that's when he became a wrestling fan. Yeah, hey, because he just go. had all this time to watch wrestling, and I had been pestering him to watch wrestling for a while before that. The last time I was um, unemployed for a long stretch of time was when I got into podcasts. <laughs> so <laughs> that that went uh, went well. That's great. So. Yeah, well, uh, you know, hopefully over the next six months, I will. Well, definitely, I'll, you will, I will. By the next minisode, I will have caught up on power. All right, I can say uh, that you can. You can at the very least check out the first couple. First there's couple. like I'm not yeah. even totally caught up yet. There, there's like five or six episodes by now. They're putting them out once a week. Most of them are less than an hour long. One episode of Raw is three hours long. And I the, still don't get that. And this and it also it just seems like you know we we started this at a pretty opportune time. Like yeah. I didn't. I had no idea whatsoever that there was going to be this big flourishing of indie wrestling going on at the time. Um. And I also, I'm, you know, I'll be honest. I'll hear status update on who's winning this podcast. I am developing a taste for wrestling. I mean, I think it's kind of impossible. I don't think anybody could get the guided tour through this art form that I have received thus far, and not develop sort of an interest in it. But then, as a result of developing an interest in it, I like. I'm not, and I really don't want to hate watch the dumb shit anymore because <laughs> I don't. And so. If I'm not gonna hate watch the dumb shit, yeah. and I don't want to watch too You're much, you still gonna have to hate watch some. Of At least, them. oh some sure, of them, I'm yeah. sure. But yeah, if you um, also don't want to watch a bunch of detached greatest hits, you have to start watching something regularly. I want to watch something regularly, yeah. and I am not going to fucking watch the WWE regularly. I mean, maybe I'll watch NXT. But yeah, like but I mean, like I like I am. It's a huge time sink, yeah. and, a, and the hit to miss ratio is all wrong. If you want to watch big time wrestling, you start with AEW these days. The show is a lot better. I, you know, I've also I have been thinking about like if I'm going to be really do it. So maybe I should maybe I should watch 
Power and AEW. Well, the, I mean, the main reason I say start with Power is that there's not much of it, and there's not much of it to digest every week. AEW, there's more. The WWE is a whole lot. If you want to get into Japanese wrestling, there's a million. Okay, I'm not going to get too far and into it. The point is, Power's simple. Yeah. It, power is an interesting blend of old and new as well. It's very much kind sure. of a throwback to 80s NWA studio wrestling, but with contemporary indie talent and also some genuinely groundbreaking ideas for instance well i'll see if you pick okay, up yeah, on yeah, it. i will yeah, let yeah, you yeah. watch it. like will, letting I... some of the guys have bellies yeah or, like, and i like that and Thank letting you. them cut promos that aren't totally scripted yeah. which that's more of a throwback but there's more things that i want to see if evan picks up on by himself right, so i won't right. give it so away. yeah cool. so by by the next minisode i will I will have watched at least the first two episodes of Power. I will, right. ma- I will make that commitment. I, I will attempt to watch. Uh, we're also going to record twice next week, so I have like a ton of wrestling to watch. But I will attempt to watch to catch up on both AEW and Power and see how I feel. Right? And might as well, might as well dive all the way into this. If you got the time and the patience for it, go right, go right to it. It's I have time, to... patience, and thoracic outlet syndrome, so uh, we're ready to rock. <laughs> Good luck. Okay. Um, it's actually it's not it's not it's honestly not that bad. It's just the one th- something I can't do is type for six hours straight. So my attempt at getting an office job recently uh, did not work out. Um, so, but over overall, I'm you know like generally fine and not in a lot of pain yeah. and like working out and is fine and everything like that is fine. But I don't know. Listeners don't need to know about this. Well, speaking of jobs. Um, time for a philosophy lesson. Oh, man. So since we were talking about... Wait, here's the theme song. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I need to record that to play at the beginning of all my classes. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a metal, we'll do a metal version. <laughs> philosophy. So, um, since we were mentioning, um, okay, all right, all right, all right. Okay. We don't need a drum solo. Come on. <laughs> you don't. Nothing needs a drum solo. All right. <laughs> so, um, since we were we mentioning, stop interrupting Ben. <laughs> he has some yes. important things to say. Yes. So, since we were talking about the ends justifying the means, or vice versa, uh, I thought I'd talk about a little bit about the ethical theory that involves that so um the ends justify the means it's a famous saying of machiavelli it's the basic statement of consequentialist ethics the view that the consequences of an action determine whether it's right or wrong and it is the basis for the philosophy known as utilitarianism according to utilitarianism you try to do the action that maximizes the good overall for everyone um, if you have two actions, I mean, and if one of is just less bad than the other, uh, two possible choices you can make, you make the less bad one. Hopefully it's the it's the good one. Hopefully the one you make is the maximally good one. So uh, so that's one view. Now, the means justify the ends is sort of a awkward way of putting what might be the contrary view, which is often known as deontic ethics or um Kantian ethics because it's put forward by the philosopher Immanuel Kant and Kant worried that 
Um, you know, you shouldn't focus too much on the consequences of the action. The action itself has moral value. So, for instance, if you're um, a soldier and you put your life at risk to save your fellow soldier, you're doing just as good of a thing if you fail to save them as if you actually succeed in saving them. That's that's one example. So he for Kant, he probably went a little bit too far with this. He thought the consequences don't matter at all. What matters is that you are doing your moral duty, which you figure out by using your reason to discover what the uh, what the rights of other persons are with respect to you and therefore what you what your duties are to them. For instance, one sort of universal um, what he calls a categorical imperative, universal, unbreakable moral rule um, or exceptionless moral rule is that you never treat other people purely as a means, but always as an end in themselves. So you take other people's interests into account when you act. You don't just use them for some greater interest, which according to utilitarian, if the greater good is good enough, it's worth sacrificing some people or, you know, um, violating some people's rights or something like that, or there, there, there really aren't rights on the utilitarian view. It's all about whatever maximizes the good. So those are sort of the two basic schools of philosophical ethics, the utilitarian school and the Kantian school. So one really common illustration of this is the trolley problem first introduced by Philip Foot, which is this idea where you have a runaway trolley on a track. It's going to hit five people stuck on the track. You can't stop it, but you can pull a lever diverting it to another track where there's only one person stuck. And the question is, is it the right thing to do to pull the lever, sacrificing the one person who otherwise would be fine in order to save the five? The utilitarian says, yes, switch the pull the lever, switch the track, kill the one person. The Kantian says, no, you cannot use the one person's death as a means in order to save the five people, even though util um you know consequentially speaking that would be the better result uh it's also um the best episode of the good place so far show that i every episode of that show is amazing but the trolley problem I, episode is uh i have shown that to my class yeah it's it's fantastic um hmm and i wonder how i feel like you can sort of see that play out in wrestling right can you in some way mm. that uh, I should have thought of an example of that before I started talking, but it seem it seems like this is a dialectic that would exist in wrestling. Oh, I'd like think the trolley problem. Oh shit. Okay. That's fine. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I would take a guess that you see this dialectic in play a lot in wrestling. And that's kind of where, well, sometimes there there are certainly moral dilemmas where there aren't really like there isn't really a good choice, but usually then there's like some baby face that takes all the choices at once and somehow saves the day. I don't know what what were, yeah, were you thinking of anything in particular? I mean, I guess there aren't really a lot of choices characters are making in wrestling that affect large groups of people. Usually like the choice is whether to act in your own self-interest or to help others. Mm -hmm. Those are the moral dilemmas that, so they're not, they're, the dilemma is whether to be moral or just <laughs> to be an amoral egoist. I feel like that's a huge debate that people have, especially in American politics. What is the appropriate role for selfishness 
and stuff like that and like how many people yeah. um i was luckily by the time i attempted to read ayn rand i had gone through like my libertarian phase and come out the other side and was relatively inoculated against right-wing <laughs> ideas but a lot of people read her early on like earlier in their life and kind of get stuck in that oh yeah there's a way to read her i'm not sure about her exactly but people like her as a kind of utilitarian sure because one way of reading her is to say look if everyone looks out for their own self-interest that's the best way of maximizing the good overall who who better can you benefit than yeah, guess, yourself so you know? i guess if you're like it's only about your motivation and it's only about your intention then if you are being from their perspective the most honest thing that you can do is to be selfish because like not so, for the like, kantian no not no for yeah, for like the, uh, the for Randian, like libertarian kind yeah. of thinking because because the kantian is going to say you should do the right thing what what they think you rationally figure out is the right thing even if it has the worst consequences for everyone involved the the focus on like the right of personal property above all other rights or the um what's called the non-aggression principle which is like the ba the basis of like the idea that taxes are inherently immoral because it's like you have to give it to the government and then that and then that overrides all of the other stuff like the fact that you can then pay for you know fucking schools and colleges and roads and you know right if you think these inalienable rights or whatever are uh, um are all that matters morally speaking then yeah from a kind of kantian point of view you might be a libertarian yeah well and, and that's why i think that i you know I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm a socialist and I think a lot of people on the left tend to be a little more on the side, so on the utilitarian side kind of thing. And that especially like when you hear like, you know, rich people say like, oh, but like I worked hard for my billion dollars and your reaction is kind of like, I don't care. Like, honestly, <laughs> like if we took all of your money and you were sad, I that wouldn't matter to me because it would be more important to me to build home houses for the homeless. Obviously, there is a it's clear how you could you know take that too far um, <laughs> i mean it has to be that whatever the greater utilitarian good is it really is the happiness of individual people right yeah. it's not some abstract concept like the state yes exactly right, right. and 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 even something that you know something that begrudgingly i have to admit randian libertarians are right about is like they are right that ultimately we are motivated on a really basic level by selfish interests even if we are altruistic the reason you want to do good things is to make either make yourself feel good or to you know quash that um trembling sadness inside yourself <laughs> at the knowledge that there is injustice in the world um not to say that that is the only reason people consciously do anything but i do think that that is the drive behind why you do good things for the most part like is is to generate that feeling of goodness but the then but then they say then they use that as the basis of like well since everything's selfish why not just be selfish and say yeah. fuck everybody and, and, and except for yourself whereas i would say the fact that i feel good when i help other people to feel good to me does not then mean oh i should always prioritize my desire to feel good whether you know it affect well you know what i mean like, right it's the difference between psychological egoism which is supposed to be 
you know, uh, a perhaps an empirical fact about people that we're only motivated by our own good feelings or something like that. And then ethical egoism, which says the right thing to do is only to do things that immediately benefit yourself. I, yeah, I think you've described the baby face and heel dynamic in wrestling. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, yeah. And the, the thing that everyone wants to do is win the title, you know, and that's kind of the difference between two otherwise very similar characters like John Cena and Randy Orton. You know, John Cena wants to win the title for everybody so that everybody could be happy. And Randy Orton wants to win the title because he's a jerk and wants to keep it from everybody else. But Randy Orton will say of John Cena, oh, he's just trying to do this so everyone will love him. Yeah, well, exactly. But when it's really the heel who wants the love, <laughs> yeah. but they don't get it and that makes them miserable. Well, it's all, you know, if you look at um, on, on a really basic level, you know, like maybe now the heel face dynamic is more complicated, but I'm sure that for much of the early years of wrestling, it was just one, the face followed the rules yeah, and yeah. the heel broke the rules. For and, the most part, yes. And that really speaks to, you know, the athlete following the rules in the athletic contest is committed to these higher ideals of let us let us find the truth right let us find who is actually objectively better uh because yeah. that's you know because both of these wrestlers have the same goal yes. to win the title and what, so you're right so actually um uh, Frederick Nietzsche in his early essay Homer's Contest, which I think I might have mentioned once before on the podcast, he talks about in uh, ancient Greece, there was a distinction between two types of eris, which is often translated as envy or jealousy. And the idea was the one eris is you want or, or and really you could translate it as competitiveness. Um, on the one hand, you want your opponent to be as strong and powerful as possible so that you can show that you are even greater by defeating them. On the other hand, you want to somehow destroy your opponent before they can even compete so that you win by default. Well, exactly. That's the thing. The, the heel wants to win purely because of the social capital gained from winning. Yes. It's just, I want, I want this title. I want the adoration. I want people to think that I am the best regardless of if that is the truth or not. Right. Um, and it also, yeah. it maps onto this difference between Socrates and the sophists in ancient Greece, where the sophists argued to win the argument. And Socrates, <laughs> at least if you believe how Plato portrays him, cared about getting to the truth. Luckily, nobody is a sophist now. Right. No, uh, yeah, yeah. There aren't any internet personalities telling you <laughs> what uh, the truth is. Making the weaker argument appear the stronger, yeah. as they put it. Or writing whole books about how to win arguments that are really about how to, like, flashily seem like you're victorious uh, by talking fast in front of a group of people who doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about. Well, in this context, we're the ones that have the microphones. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, we totally care about the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's we, As a professional wrestler, <laughs> the truth above all. When I edit out the stuttering, the ums, and the jokes that really don't land, I'm just presenting <laughs> a higher version of the truth to the listener. Cool. I mean, well, here's the, here, here's the thing, though. We doubt ourselves all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Like, I compulsively doubt myself. If you've ever, you know, if you've been in a fucking philosophy class with me or whatever, you know, I really don't think that I know anything with absolute certainty. And I'm very upfront about that. 
And I think that's really what makes the difference, right? I feel like I see this criticism a lot where if you express an opinion about um, fucking anything, um, and maybe I'm just talking about Twitter, and this is why I don't tweet that much anymore, and I just mostly follow people on Twitter. But if you express an opinion about anything, you often will get this reaction from people where it's just like, well, yeah, but like, you know, that's that's your opinion and we all have opinions and you know, you act like you're not any better than the guys on the other side that you're criticizing because you're also saying that you think, you know what the deal is and you think, you know, what the truth is. And I just want to say like, well, that is what an opinion is. Like that is how <laughs> having an opinion works is you go, you decide that you, you, this is the thing. This is what you're going to say about a thing based on your knowledge. And obviously you should mostly just have opinions about things that you have some knowledge about, right? We all, yeah. it's its bad if you just pull something out of your ass. But the idea that having an opinion about something by definition means that you smugly believe yourself to be better than everyone else with the absolute truth, that's not really... Well, there's this problem I see with my students a lot. They're taught from a very young age that there's this sharp distinction between fact and opinion. And it's either an absolute fact that's written in stone and everyone knows for certain, or it's just an opinion. Yeah. It's just you expressing yeah. like your pure value taste judgment about something. Anything you believe is an opinion. It's either well justified or well confirmed or not. And yeah. putting themselves in this intellectual space where it's like, I believe this thing. I have reasons for believing it. I recognize that there are reasons on the other side. I think my reasons are stronger, yet still fallible, is a really hard space for them to be put in. And I think a lot of internet culture, I mean, you know, having five different emotions to respond to things with on, <laughs> on Facebook, whatever, yeah. is, is also making this more difficult. And so... Uh, yeah, and just the idea that... Um, you used to have one. Right, yeah. It's either you liked it or you didn't. Yeah. And, and so that idea, and then on the other hand, they have a problem with seeing that being humble in this way or recognizing your own fallibility is actually a strength of your position, right? Like if you put forward a modest claim, like this is probably true, it's much more likely that that claim of probability is true than saying something is absolutely true but they've been trained and i think in a lot of ways people have been trained to say that no absolute confidence is the sign of rightness somebody who i may or may not have been talking about earlier who wrote a book about how to win arguments that's not actually concerned with how to argue well it's just about how to appear like you're winning an argument or a guy who might be president of the united states and uh, well currently. yeah he didn't but he didn't write a book about this no, I, mean, he didn't, I don't think he's um, written anything in his goddamn life no 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 uh definitely not but what was he saying he has a um, stamp with his signature on it you know the whole the whole idea that you know that it's that it's appearing appearing confident talking fast delivering as many points as possible this is also part of why like high school debate is kind of ruining politics in america because they sort of train you to like just sort of make as many points as you can in this like short of a period of time and it's very gamified there's also no um, principle of charity 
Like when you're in, if you really want to have a productive debate with someone, you should consider the strongest version of their argument. So if they make a mistake or they say something that's not kind of true, what you should do is fix it for them and say, okay, wait, wait, if you were saying this thing, which is the much more yeah. defensible position, that's what I'm going to challenge and, and try to criticize now. Not, oh, I, I see a weak point in your argument. I'm going to attack it. Part of this problem is this meme that exists in society, this thing that so many people think that, honestly, I think it comes from Star Trek. And as much as I love Star Trek and Star Trek did a lot of good in the world, I'm sure people have made this argument before, but I think the concept that logic and emotion are two separate things that are opposite ends of a spectrum that have nothing to do with each other, that concept is completely false incredibly destructive and i'm pretty sure is only in the modern pop culture and the modern zeitgeist because of star trek no it comes from ancient greek philosophy well really, I, like i was saying know? like i'm sure somebody else thought of it before but i feel like i feel like that's where people get it from well, now where on the chart do must and cannot meet <laughs> thank you roman yes um yeah no it's it, yeah these these are these pernicious dichotomies the the um logic emotion dichotomy the fact opinion dichotomy is more recent, I think. And yeah, people are, are learning to think in these very binary ways, increasingly binary ways. And it's terrifying. Uh, that's certainly been the case on, uh, on the wrestling internet since there's been a wrestling internet. It's all been like zero or one. AEW or, or WWE, right? Right, even though AEW's only really been a thing for a couple of months and it doesn't matter because things are different and just, I mean, it's fine to have an opinion, but that doesn't mean you're right. It, yeah. and, and it's yeah. okay if other people say you're not because they're probably right only by pointing out that you're wrong. And there's nothing wrong with being wrong. Like, I think that's really where, where uh, a problem in our society is. You have to be right all the time about everything. And if you say something, you have to defend it forever in case you may have been wrong. It's like you're, you're wrong sometimes, and then you can change what you said. Uh, or you can say, oh, I said that, and that was wrong, and now I think this. Um, it's all very difficult also on the Internet where it's like, but you said this once nine years ago. So defend it. And it's like, I can't remember that. I can't remember and what I was doing. everything we say is in print. Yeah. Everything, everything is fucking we published. We're recording this oh. right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it terrifies me. Oh, By yeah. the way, guys, this whole endeavor. Oh, fucking, yeah. I, I've barely published anything as a scholar yeah. in my life because it really bothers me that there's a thing that's out there. And Socrates even complained about this in uh, Plato's Phaedrus that like writing is problematic because you write something and it goes and has a life of its own yeah. and it can't like continue to defend itself and refine itself. I thank my lucky fucking stars every day that I, in my twenties, my artistic endeavor was playing music in instrumentally I wasn't singing. I wrote some lyrics for my old band that was just like spaced out high prog rock shit. Like, and then I got into comedy when I was 30. And if I had spent my twenties getting up on stage and making jokes in the style of the kind of humor that I thought was great and just the best thing ever when I was in my twenties, I would, I would have, I would already, I would be canceled. Now I would have, 
canceled myself out of life probably like I, i've got some lyrics i'm not proud of yeah and thankfully <laughs> i didn't make it as a musician oh, so. and that's what like you know i i uh, man like i i really wonder how i mean i think that's why like a lot of younger people are like n- either not really on social media or if they are they use like snapchat or tiktok or something where i, th- I think also on tiktok it goes away right yeah, like in snapchat it goes, it goes away i believe Be- um, i don't know i tried looked at the tiktok i was like i don't understand this yeah but it's okay that i don't understand this because exactly. maybe it's not for me and if i really wanted to get into it i'd try and get into it but i think your greater point is that yeah younger people are opting for social media that doesn't stick around forever because they know what problems can happen if you know, if you're going to another school in a few years, you don't want everyone to be able to see you from a few years ago. And people are very aware of that at 10 and 11 years old. Also, like they'll get Facebook pages to appease their parents to see them on social media and their parents think, oh, this is their whole life on Facebook. And then they'll use Facebook to share memes. To bring this back to wrestling, you could just be like Vince McMahon and not really care that you have this slew of horrible shit you've said and done on TV. Um, well, it's when you have that much money, you don't fucking need yeah, to. He's no, never going to experience consequences. Like. Yeah, but I mean, no one has like seriously called him out for anything. I guess just because he's been always kind of transparent about it. I mean, like you know, he, he has said been, the n word on Monday Night Raw. He, you know, and, and you know. Hulk Hogan, they found this tape of him saying it, you know. Well, the, the Hulk Hogan issue wasn't that he said the word. It was the sentences that he was saying it in. And I'm not right. going to get too far into it because it's just awful. Uh, whereas right. Vince, like Vince, by all means, should not have said the word on television. But it was played off for people to laugh at him for being so stupid as opposed to like a real conversation where somebody's saying some unquestionable racist stuff. Right. Uh, context does matter. Um, yeah, Vince probably still shouldn't have said that on television. Uh, but you, you're right. It's a lot of it is that he is so transparent about it. He's like, I'm going to do all this awful stuff. Then he does. And he's like, told you. It's not like, you know, oh, we found all this stuff that he did. It's like, come on, man. We've well, been watching. It's live on television. Not, not to fucking okay boomer Vince McMahon here, but also I think like, Guys his age who are committed to that philosophy of, like, you just fucking work. You work 22 hours a day every day yep. your whole life, and you and you make that money no matter what you do, and you pay your guys as little as you can fucking get away with and all that. Like, they don't – not only do they not care, but I think it's it's, it's a really – important part of his morality for him to not care yeah yeah. you know the the way you only get to make a billion dollars if you believe that the level to which you are exploiting the people you work the people who work for you is the right thing to do morally Mm. like that's why those guys like you know you read all of these he's he's probably he's probably got rand on his fucking night side table sure. or whatever all, all those guys or even he might have just naturally come to those ideas sure. because it uh, appeals to a certain kind of people i'm sure all of his friends think those kinds of things maybe he read it maybe he didn't but you know like yeah you that's why you know you always read these uh you know like lately there's been all these like tweets from billionaires about just like yeah. oh i feel embattled and i feel like yeah. or if you go and actually read um nine uh, of them are going to enter the presidential race and split the moderate yeah. vote so that's great <laughs> that, i mean i'm that's, looking forward to that that's exactly what we need actually <laughs> but like if, if you read um uh i think it's either david or charles coke the one that's still alive um you know like like speeches he's given throughout the years where he really believes like 
the wealthy are the most embattled minority and we have to like he thinks he is the, the there's a great episode of uh the podcast behind the bastards about him called uh David Coke the Luke Skywalker of rich people and he he really thinks that he is a guy who is like I am the champion to save my beleaguered minority from the oppression of the horrible group of people known as all other humans that aren't the 2000 billionaires. Oh man. Uh, uh very last thing. Yeah. Uh, we said at the end of the regular episode that the next episode would be Joe versus Kobashi. That will be in two episodes. The next episode we will have on as a guest, Tom specialty Frazier, uh, co-owner and promoter of Imperial World Wrestling. So we're really, really excited to have him on. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first time we've had somebody where it's like a, it's a bit of an interview as well as just an episode with a guest, and it was really cool. It's a really yeah. cool thing to hear about um, the world of running an indie promotion. And uh, it's so much work, and then he goes down like just uh, just the tip of the iceberg of how much he has to do just to put on occasional indie shows properly, which he does. Yeah, his next one is November thirtieth uh, in Maspeth, Queens. But we'll plug that again. Yeah. next week. Yeah, look for Imperial World Wrestling. Uh, this podcast now officially supports two organizations called the IWW. This has been contesting wrestling. We love you all. Subscribe to our Patreon for uh, for a third episode every week. So if you if you dig this, that's something that you would like. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs>